Spotify. We'll be streaming live soon. Greetings again. Uh, today, we're going to finish the book, um, Taking the Limits Off of Gone by Dr. James B. Richards. Um, we're going we're gonna to finish up uh, living in Babylon. The whole idea behind this book and, this, and going through this is that these are things that we need to be doing in Babylon. These are the things that we need to be doing while we're in the situation that we find ourselves in now. So this is kind of what we should be doing. Now, the next series, Living in Digital Babylon, will show you what is going on that needs to be addressed. And it's brutal. There are so many things uh, that are happening in that, uh, in that session. It will be quite a revelation. So we'll proceed from that. But today... We want to finish up what Dr. Richards had. And the first part is God is love. Okay? This is a very difficult uh, subject for many people because they don't understand love. It's never been explained. I explained earlier that when I got saved, it was because I didn't want to go to hell. I, it, was, uh, it was in July in Indiana back in the 60s. And, and um, everybody had been... Uh, Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Um, I think it was in June that uh, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. This is in July. And I'm sitting in a reform school. That's the best way to describe it. And um, uh, I'm not having a good time. Nobody's having a good time. Uh, all, you know, every, there's riots going on everywhere. And um, Fred Stanfield comes in from Calvary Temple in Hammond, Indiana, and says, Turn or burn. I turned because I didn't want to burn. But nobody's ever spoken to me about the love of God. So we're going to explore that a little bit. Uh, if you believe that God can heal you, but you, but He won't because it is His will to keep you sick, how can you maintain a loving attitude towards Him? That's the question. Um, uh, if you think that God can heal you but won't, you're in a bad situation. If you think it's God's will for you to be sick, don't go to the doctor because you don't want to get out of God's will. That sounds stupid because it is. That's not what God's will is for you to be sick. Blaming God for unanswered prayers becomes a root of bitterness for many Christians. They turn to God in a time of need and they did not know or understand how to apply faith and consistently... And why they and consequently they did not receive. They felt that God was holding back on them. This is one of the problems. And, and uh, my friend John and I were talking earlier. Um, properly operating in faith does not lead you into what uh, people have developed. They call a name it and claim it or blab it and grab it thing. That's not what this is. There, there is a very serious. Um, line of thinking and, and um, commands from Jesus that tells us what to do. The problem is is that we've never done them before and nobody's ever told us about them before, so we don't know to do them. And we think that when somebody does do them, the first thing that happens is they get lied about, they get called things that teach things that they don't teach, they say they say things that they don't see. So you can see that throughout the Testament, New Testament, it says that they brought worthless men up to testify against him. And they, they found all these people to lie about. They, they did it. That's what happens when you start teaching the truth. And so 
let's not throw faith under the bus with the so-called claimant and, and, and name it and claim it bunch. Uh, my wife and I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit since 1977, and we've listened to virtually every teacher, and I can promise you none of the teachers that we've listened to have ever said name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. People have taken some very good things that they've said and run with it, but that's not what we're talking about here. So we're talking about faith that actually accomplishes things, it's biblical faith. Part of biblical foundation is you must have a biblical worldview because before you can do anything to live in Babylon, if you don't know who your enemy is and how you can fight the war properly, and the situation that you may find yourself in is if you're consorting with the enemy and in conflict with God, that situation is unbiblical and intolerable. Now listen to this for a minute. I had a pastor, after we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, people talk about claim it and name it and claim it and so forth like that. When we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, we listened to a man named Kenneth Hagin. And uh, we actually ended up moving to Tulsa. And we got a chance to hear Brother Hagin for nine years while we were living in Tulsa. And um, uh, one of the things... Uh, that came up when we when we got there. We had a pastor in Dayton, Ohio, that stood up and said this in class: "God will make you sick, and the devil will heal you just to confuse you." That's what he said. And I I confronted him on it, and I went to his office, and he got so upset uh, that he I can still see his face now. His face turned red, and uh, he said, "You're just one of those Haganites." And he he did say. Yeah, it's called me a Haganite. He said, he, he said, um, you don't even know hermeneutics. And I knew the thing was going south at that point. And I said, I sure do know hermeneutics. He played tackle for the Cardinals in 64. And um, that was that point they asked me to leave the church, which, which we did. So anyway, I, I share that with you because nobody ever says anything about the pastor that gets up and says stupid things like, God will make you sick and the devil will heal you just to confuse you. But they always, somebody gets up and says, if you begin to speak what God says, you'll get what God says you'll get. He gets in trouble. Anyway, we'll go on. Many believers will say, if God wants me to have it, He will give it to me. However, it has been given to you in the Lord Jesus, but you have a responsible part to claim it. Do not try to make God responsible for what you're supposed to do. Okay? 2 Peter 1, three in the Amplified, For His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of Him who called us by and to His own glory and excellence. Now get that. It says, through the full personal knowledge of Him who called us. Okay, now, going on with that, 1 John 4.16. We know and understand and recognize and are conscious of by observation and experience and believe we adhere to and put faith in and rely on the love of God. God is love. And he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. 
Uh, most Christians do not believe that God loves them. They think He's mad at them all the time. It was something I fought with for years. Um, my idea of going to heaven was simply, I make God, and my first answer was, I didn't do it. That's totally garbage. That's garbage theology. It's religion. But most people don't understand what God's love is. And so uh, it's something that I'm certainly pursuing. And, and when we get into digital Babylon, you'll see how God has used that particular theme to help me address issues that, uh, uh, that, that need to be addressed from my part. Now, only when you know how much God loves you can you develop a biblical sense of self-worth. Until you have that, you will not be able to see God's goodness for you. You will not see God's goodness for others. You will only be una- and you'll also be unable to apply it to yourself. So until you know that that God, how much God loves you, and you can experience that, you won't be able to give it to other people, and you won't be able to receive it for yourself. So it has to be a priority. Second Corinthians five seventeen. We know that. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, he's a new creature. And one that has never been before. So when you got born again, that's a new you. The, the old guy's dead, gone, and the, the new you has never been created before or will ever be created again. So you're a unique person. Colossians 3.13, Be gentle and forbearing with one another, and if one has a difference, a grievance or complaint against another, readily pardon each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. Uh, I didn't think forgiveness was a problem until I got COVID and got in the hospital. Then I found out not only is it a problem, it's a major problem for me. So we'll share you how the Lord dealt with that earlier. Next. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Christ virtually to be sin for us who knew no sin so that in through Him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that's, you're righteous now. You're not going to get righteous. You're righteous now. So, first thing that this does is kills the... And don't let anybody ever tell you you're a sinner saved by grace. You're not. You were a sinner and then you got saved. Now you're the righteousness of God. Whether they like it or not, that's the way it is. You need to keep that in mind. Now, one of the things we're going to do here is establish a biblical sense of self-worth. Uh, the Scriptures tell us that we are more than conquerors in Romans 8.37 and we, and we have victory over the world, 1 John 5.5. 5, and no matter how you look at it, this is how God sees you. So, uh, I teach at Fresh Wind Recovery in Athens, Georgia. And one of the things that the guys have to know when they come in is that through the power that God has given them, what happened to them when they got born again, they have the ability to overcome whatever it is that, that gets thrown at them. Uh, that's a hard thing to understand. And as we spoke last session, our tongue offsets a lot of these things because we speak opposite of what God says. God says you're an overcomer, and we speak, well, we can't do that. So, if we see something in the Word, but we choose to hold another view or opinion, that's heresy. Let me say that again. 
If you see something in the Word and choose to hold another view or opinion, that is heresy. I would dare say to you that um, you look at the United Methodist Church. Interesting, I, I was, I, I'm a Methodist in my theological persuasion, let's put it that way. But I'm not a United Methodist. Uh, and in 1968, they, the United Brethren and the Methodists joined together. And that was the highest number of members they ever had. And they slumped, you know, they went downhill ever since. Now, I say that because in the, in the, in, in the process, the Methodist Church goes by the discipline. That's their, their guideline on the, the, the discipline. And you've got a, half the church says, oh, well, it's okay to have homosexual preachers. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. When the, not only the discipline, but the Bible says not to do that. So it's not that way. Um, so that's a heresy. And that's, you, we've got to avoid that. We have to find out what the Scripture says, and then that's the rule. All that we are and all that we do is because of who we are in Jesus. I no longer must drive myself to accomplish things so that I can be, quote, accepted before God. I'm already that way. <clears throat> Colossians 1.12, from the Amplified, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints. In the light, God has qualified us to receive all the inheritance simply because we are in Jesus. We are qualified now. You are, John is, I am, Rick is, other. They're qualified now to receive the inheritance. Whether you feel like it or not, you are. Look at Philemon 6. And listen closely to what it says here. And I pray, again, this is the Amplified, and I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in Christ Jesus. I want to say that again. And you've got to look very closely at this. It says that participating in and sharing your faith, okay, your testimony, sharing your faith, will produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in Christ. That goes back to the word sozo, complete healing, uh, making you whole. The more we share our faith, the more we spend time in the Word, the more we develop the Word in us, the more that we'll be, have precise knowledge about what God's called us to do. Now, you've got to remember that never allow what other people say or your own thoughts or past failures cause you to see yourself in any way other than as God's Word describes you. Okay? Don't allow that to happen. Now, talk about persuading your heart. It will take time and diligent effort for you to change the way you see yourself. And my wife has struggled with this with me for years. 
and um, and she has her own issues that uh, in this area. All of them, her issues and mine all go back to when we were kids, and we were dumped on by other people, by adults, and you know, everybody has a bad, everybody has bad experiences, but in, in but they're damaged. Okay, people get damaged, and. What we do is try to repair the damage that we get, okay? Um, and when we see it, when we get damaged and God doesn't fix it and we fix it, uh, we end up in trouble. Um, so when I was a kid, I and I, and I asked the Lord about this later. Um, some 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 really bad things happened when I was in sixth grade, and um, and and it's caused me problems through my whole life. Uh, I'm 69 years old, and, and, and although I don't look a day over 68, um, the damage from that those events when I was a kid are still there. And I asked the Lord about that. Why is this still a problem? I mean, geez, Merrill, this is 60 years ago, or whatever the time frame was. And, uh, and he had a great answer. Because, he again, he takes, speaks to me the way I am. He went to, to military history, the sinking of the Bismarck. Everybody think, well, how would that have anything to do spiritual? Well, if you go back and look, the Bismarck was the greatest battleship that the Germans created. It was causing all kinds of problems for the British Navy, and they were trying to catch her. And they sent out an old plane that, that flew too slow. The Germans couldn't adjust to it. She launched one torpedo and missed the boat, but it hit her right in the rudder and blew up her rudder so that the Bismarck could only run in circles. Well, then the British were able to catch it and sink it. And it was one hit at the exact spot that slowed down the whole thing. And the Lord says, the enemy hit you with a torpedo in the exact spot that would cause you trouble later on in your life. Then it's what happened to me. So uh, I say that because it's taken diligent effort for me to deal with some of these issues. Uh, you the same way, whether you, whether you like to admit it or not, it's the same thing. You will be defining a lifetime of negative input, and you must resist the negativity of people around you. You must resist the religious world that will tell you you are a sinner saved by grace. If you go to a church where the pastor says that, I wholeheartedly suggest you leave now. Because you're not going to get the Word of God from this man. That's just my opinion. And it's worth just what you paid for it. Okay, now. The Bible says that God would do what He said He would do. Romans 4.21. Now, we go on and start looking at, at Abraham. Let me read uh, Romans 4.17.22. I'm not going to read it from the Amplified. I'm going to read it from the New American Standard because the Amplified would probably take the rest of our time together just to get through it. But let me read it from here, and I'll pick out some points in there. Romans 4, and we'll go to verse 17 and read through 22. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, that is, God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that do not exist. In hope against hope, he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, 
He contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured, being fully assured that what God had promised he was able to perform. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, of course, he's talking about Abraham and, his, and, and the promise of a child. Now, um, in the Amplified version of that, there's a couple of things we want to bring. It says it speaks of non-existent things that he was foretold and promised as if they already existed. So that's one of the issues, and, and uh, uh, John and I were talking about that earlier. One of the issues you've got to deal with is... Uh, God's promised things, but they're not here yet. How do you deal with that? Well, you have to call things that are not, it's not here yet, as though they were. Healing works that way. You're coughing your head off, you got COVID, everything. Well, I believe God, I'm going to be all right. And so you work your way through that. And in working your way through it, you'll get to the point to where it will become real and real and real. But you have to keep at it. Read uh, Luke 18.1. God dealt with Abraham for 25 years to get him to the place where he is immovable in faith in the promises of God. He worked with Abraham 25 years. These verses in Deuteronomy 6 give us an understanding of what we should be doing. Now listen to what Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 8, or 6 through 9 says. And these words which I commanding you this day shall be first in your own mind and heart, you shall wet and sharpen them to make them penetrate and teach and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children. Now, we're not doing that. We have turned that over to the public school system. And you can see just by reading now, uh, they're teaching uh, transgenderism. They're teaching all kinds of you know, homosexuality. They're teaching all of these things. And our kids are not getting this at home. They're not getting Deuteronomy 6 at home. They're not being told about the things about God. That's where we've fallen down. Uh, that's one of the ways we're in trouble. The bottom line is any way you can find it here, see and say the Word of God to do it. Do it until your heart is full to overflowing with the promises of God. Do it until your heart is full to the overflowing with the promises of God. Your heart has been filled with years of unbelief which must now be replaced. And when you're ready to remove the limits that you've placed on yourself due to poor speaking, unbelief, and fear, then look up scriptural promises that pertain to what you're looking for. Okay? Find out in the Word what God said about your situation. And He will lead you to it. Romans 4.20 in the Amplified, No unbelief or distrust made Abraham waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. I'm reminded of one of D.L. Moody's quotes. says that the world is yet to see what God can do with a man that truly trusts him. So we talked about that the other day. Uh, what does it mean to truly trust God? What is to, to do what he says in the Bible. So, I looked in the Bible, and I can't find anything in the Bible about a 401k or a retirement fund. Um, I can't find anything in the Bible about 
a lot of things that we do now because we're in the United States. Uh, you know, 401k. I'm not knocking 401k, but I'm saying what Dwight Blue, what D- Bluey, <laughs> what Dwight Moody said is that God has never, the world's never seen what God can do with a man that trusts Him. So uh, we want to think about that. Give you something to think about. Mark 4:24, and He said to them, "Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear." will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. Be careful what you listen to. If you spend your time watching the news, reading the news, spending it on Facebook, spending it on other things, you'll get exactly what they produce, which is fear and lies. You can't... Uh, I, I challenge anyone, if we had a... If we had a, a uh, chart set up here. We had left side, kind of like a T account accounting. We had l- credits and debits. We had those things looked at. You could go to masks and COVID. You have just as many for and just as many against. Who's tr- who's right? Who's true? Where's the truth about this? What what do we need to do to, about the truth? Uh, same thing with Afghanistan and other things that we've run into. What's the truth? Well, if you just listen to the politicians and you listen to the to the news and all that stuff, you'll get confused. But what did God say? Let's talk about COVID. What does God say about COVID? We've talked about that. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Read that. Go to what Jesus said. Sozo. You've been sozoed. So I'll let you figure out the rest of that. Faith is found in three steps, which is represented by the acronym BSA. You must believe it, number one. You must speak it, number two. And number three, you must act on it. If you don't do these things, then you're not operating in faith. I think it's that simple. In order to walk with God as God wants us to, we must give all our time and effort to the Word. The final word is we must see ourselves healed, whole, and strong through the power of His Word. According to... His promises we must persuade ourselves and remove all unbiblical limitations that we have placed on God. Now, what are the unbiblical limitations that we've placed on God? What are some of them? Well, uh, it's lack of healing. We don't believe in that. We're not not operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, One issue that came up uh, that we'll be looking at in in the next study is that the church has done a lousy job dealing with homosexuals. They've just done a lousy job with it. Um, While they have done a great job, uh, homosexual activists have done a great job framing the debate. Uh, We haven't. We, you know, and and the media doesn't help when they show signs of people standing outside of a gay pride parade with signs that says God hates faggots and all all this junk. It's out there that's not true. And then people say, well, God didn't say anything. Jesus didn't say anything about homosexuality. Oh, yes, he did. He was very clear about it. People don't want to connect the dots. If you go to Matthew chapter 11, Jesus was telling two cities, Chorazin, as well you, Chorazin, if the miracles that had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they, you know, they'd still be in good shape. Then he turned to Capernaum and he said, Oh, woe to you, Capernaum. If the miracles 
and the signs had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah that were done in you, they would still be here. They would still be here. I want you to think about that. This is one of the goals that we're setting for. Find out what God's called us to do and go do it. He's called us to heal people. He's given us the gifts of the Spirit. He's given us all of these tools that we have that we can minister to people, but we don't. So rather than, you know, we've had several homosexuals and and, uh, guys dressed like girls and so forth that would come to church and so forth, instead of jumping on them or treating them like they're, you know, from another planet, how about if we ask the Holy Spirit, give me a word for that. So maybe we get a chance to talk to one of these people. Uh, and they come down in front, or you get a chance to talk to them, and the Lord gives you a word, and you see an older woman in a wheelchair. Hey, is your mom in a wheelchair? Well, yeah, how'd you know that? Well, the Lord just showed me. Let's pray for her. Or do you have you know, a broken bone or whatever it is, let the Holy Spirit begin to minister to people instead of us condemning them and yelling at them. We'll get results. That's the purpose here. Is Let's quit looking at, at people as enemies, although it's difficult sometimes to understand that, that we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but that the powers that we wrestle with do use flesh and blood. And we kind of get that worked out, and that's one of the things I'm hoping that we'll get worked out in the next study. So I share these things with you simply because God, the answer that we need to do what we need to do is there in the Word. So uh, thanks for for putting up with me. This is a great book. Make sure you get it. And I'm going to close with prayer. Father, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. We ask you, Lord, to help us be cognizant to what you've called us to do and have the courage and faith to go do it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.